The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Why is it that sometimes men will call on the name of the Lord, they will repent of their sin, but there is no relief? They will say, Jesus, I'm sorry. They will weep. They will, they will agonize on their knees before God. But there is no answer and there is no deliverance. And so they say, well, I stand by faith that I'm forgiven. And they go back. They live their life and then they go back to their sin again. Why is there no deliverance? Is it? that the blood of Jesus is inadequate and not, and does not have the power necessary to set them free, to release them from their bondage? Is this God's fault? Or is there something else at play? In our culture, in American culture, in Western culture today, there is a great misunderstanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. We have been oriented to think that the gospel is a beautiful add-on to an already full life, and with that add-on we're even more effective and more powerful and can live a much happier life. It is a lie. The gospel of Jesus cannot be an add-on to your already full life. The gospel comes and demands all of your life and a total death to everything that is not of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you refuse to deny yourself the pleasures of this world, you will destroy the effectiveness of the gospel in your life. If you refuse to turn the television off, if you refuse to turn aside from the wickedness of our day and the pleasures of our day, you will nullify the work of the gospel in your life. You may be a wonderful religionist, but you will not be a Christian. It is deny yourself, take up your cross, which is an instrument of death, of execution. And then you must follow me, because there is a journey to take to the place of crucifixion. 
if you refuse to make the journey to the place of crucifixion, you will never have victory and you will not walk with Jesus Christ. I received a phone call last night from a dear brother who listens to this radio broadcast on a regular basis, but he is plagued constantly by sin, by alcoholism. On more than one occasion he has called me and he was drunk and I have quickly said we'll talk another time and I have hung up. As I spoke with him last night he confessed that he is weeping before the Lord that he is that he's trying to make peace with Jesus but all is to no avail he pleads with the Lord to take his alcoholism away he pleads with Jesus that he could walk before his family in a manner that would cause them to serve Jesus He pleads with Jesus to change his life, all to no avail. Why? One of our elders addressing this issue spoke about it in terms of this man wants a separation from his alcoholism. He does not want a divorce. A separation means that for a time I will be separate from that which I love. For a time I will live by myself without it or without her. But then one evening when I am especially stressed and lonely and desire the object of my love, even though bitterness exists. I will say in my heart, let me go and be reconciled that I can have a little comfort tonight. And so this man is separated from his bottle for a short period of time, and then he comes home and he's tired, And he's upset in his heart, and there's pain in his spirit. And he says, I need just a little comfort with my, with my alcohol. And he goes and gets that beer, and he begins a drinking binge that will cause him to be utterly devastated and finally pass out in a drunken stupor in his easy boy chair. Of course, in front of the television. Now, why has he not gained victory? Well, because he has refused to divorce his love. When you divorce, it is final. It is over. It is finished. You don't want to be with this again. So I shared with him again last night the simple truth that he must go to Jesus and confess how much he loves his mistress, his alcohol. That he is not willing to separate from her anymore. He must literally divorce his alcohol. He must make a decision in the power of the blood of Jesus asking Jesus to put hatred in his heart toward the object that he now loves. And as he does this, and as he confronts the deep inner pain of his heart, the disappointments of life, the suffering he has had to undergo, he will no longer need to turn to alcohol as his source of comfort but he can turn then to Jesus for complete healing, but it requires a divorce from that mistress alcohol. He cannot just separate from her. He must divorce her totally and completely. 
Now this will entail its own kind of suffering. If he is unwilling for any kind of suffering, but would prefer to simply saturate himself, he will never divorce his alcohol. Now today we're going to look in the book of Luke, the parable of the sower, and we're going to speak specifically about the last two kinds of soil. In this parable of the sower, every person is identified as a kind of soil. And of course, the question is, what kind of soil are you? Now, I've shared this parable in the context of the horrific wickedness that is on every hand in America. I just learned of a of a major store, Target, that is now making all of their bathrooms gender-free. Whatever you are, you're welcome to use it. And so now, a woman can walk into the men's restroom claiming she is a man. And she can watch a little boy as he, with his daddy, learns to use the open urinal. Or by himself as he goes in. And likewise, at Target stores, now, men can go into the women's restroom and can watch and ogle, say whatever he wants to say, pretend that he is a woman, I am speechless. There is an insanity that is possessing America. It is the insanity of utter wickedness. Any person who would agree with breaking the ages-old separation between men and women is walking in absolute wickedness before God and breaking the natural order of the human heart. We're doing that in many areas. We are now in America bringing women into the Marines and into their combat, regardless of the studies that have shown women will quickly die in combat with the Marines. We're now putting on our submarines men and women who dress and undress in front of each other, and then they're surprised that women are getting pregnant on Navy ships. There is a wickedness that is pervading our land that is absolutely insane. Our president's consistent destruction of the military and the consistent granting of privileges to radical Islamists and many other decisions that he is making terrifies my heart for America. America is dying. The Western world is being destroyed and invaded In Pakistan, a woman, her name is Bibi. She is a Catholic Christian woman. And she made the mistake of drinking from the same canister that Muslim women were drinking from. And she was charged with dishonoring Muhammad. 
And there have been demonstrations all through Pakistan as they demand the full death penalty for this woman. And it looks like if God does not intervene, she will be executed soon for blasphemy against the Prophet Muhammad because she dared to drink from the canister Muslim women were drinking from. Am I to be tolerant of a radical Islamist? Are are you thinking that that is what is required? Am I required to be tolerant of men going into women's restrooms? I want my family to be safe. Am I to say that one life is more important than another life? How have we come to this place of utter wickedness and desecration of all that is holy? Well, listen, this is how it happened. Luke, the eighth chapter, beginning with verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but they go on their way and they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So Jesus is saying that that there are a people who will hear the gospel. The seed will fall on their life, but it will never produce anything good in them. Because first, they're going to go on their way. In other words, the gospel will not change their behavior. It will not change the course of their footsteps. They are still going to be driven by the flesh, by the desire. Three things. The desire to be responsible to the world. The the desire to have wealth and the desire to have pleasure. Because they go on their way, refusing the suffering of the cross of Jesus. Now let me be very clear with you. If you choose to follow Jesus Christ, you will immediately have a target put on your back, and you will be opposed in every respect If you make a decision to change your behavior and follow Jesus Christ, you will have a target put on you by the devil and he will come after you like a roaring lion. And you will suffer. It is not Jesus who will make you suffer. It is the decision that you have made to become holy to be made righteous, to be made innocent. Now, if you say, look, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to do it my way. And frankly, I'm going to believe that grace has covered me like a blanket. And I don't have to stop sinning. I don't have to change my life. I can continue doing everything that I've been doing. I'm fine. I added Jesus on as a wonderful plug-in to my life. And now I get the benefit of Jesus, and I get to keep all the world as well. You won't suffer for the gospel. In the end, you will. In the end, you'll be burned with fire. I'm speaking right now. You will not suffer for the gospel of Jesus. No one will call you a fanatic. No one will scorn you. No one will be offended by you. Your family will continue to love you. Everyone will be happy about the improvements they see in your life as you are socially more acceptable, perhaps. But you will not be a follower of Jesus Christ. Most who are calling themselves Christians today, and many of you listening, are included in this. 
you are not true Christians. You are walking after the same things the world is walking after. You're seeking the same pleasures, the same comforts, the same circle of friends, the same activities. There is no difference between you and that person, except as the bumper sticker says, I'm forgiven. Well, the bumper sticker is lying. You are not forgiven. The only way you can be forgiven is to be made righteous, to be changed, to be transformed, to be metamorphosed into a new creature. As long as you remain in the same old, same old, you are not saved. Now, you can do all the God talk you want to do. You can say, oh, I'm a Christian pastor. I love Jesus with all of my heart. Really? Then where are the life changes that would reflect devotion and servitude to Jesus? It's not there, is it? You still want your worldly music? You still want your movies? And you still want your cash and your pleasures and your responsibilities? You're not saved. A person who is saved is saved from destruction. They are saved from sin. They are saved from the pleasures of this world. They are saved from the habits of the worldly person. They are totally transformed and changed. Now it says they go on their way. They've just picked up a little sack of goodies and they've said, oh, now I'm saved. The preacher said so. I went up at the altar and I, I said I would accept Jesus, so now I'm saved. No, you're just going on your way with a little addition. Then it says they are choked by life's worries. The word worry here in the Greek is literally responsibility. It's not a neurotic concern for my life. It's it's literally, your life is choked by what you're worried about, by life's responsibilities. Now, when you come to Jesus, everything shifts and changes. Now your primary focus is going to be Jesus, the reading of Scripture, praying, walking with Jesus, allowing him full authority over your life. It is not coming to Jesus and saying, I will accept you. It is coming to Jesus and allowing him to totally change you and make of you a new person so that Jesus can accept you. Now this brother I was speaking about has been unwilling to lay his life down for Jesus. His life is his alcohol. He's been unwilling to lay that down. Now, does he have the power to lay it down on his own? No, he's not expected to. But he's expected to lay it down and to undergo the suffering as the Spirit of God brings deep conviction to his heart. But please, let me say this, kindly, but frankly. If you simply go on your way, you will have no deep conviction of heart. And some of you would say, Pastor, I've never had deep, heartbroken conviction. One listener to this radio broadcast walked away from the Lord and for some years did not walk with Jesus. But the Lord constantly was calling after him. And as he began to recognize the danger of his life, and he began to cry out to God and ask him to increase his understanding and to increase his conviction, conviction fell upon his life with such weight that it crushed him. And when he called me, he was weeping 
and he was saying, it feels, Pastor, like I am dying. I have to get to Jesus. Well, this deep, heartbroken, weeping before the Lord under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, many of you have never even imagined, let alone experienced. This dear brother came through and now is an awesome example of a man humbly walking before the Lord. His whole life has been transformed. His relationship to his wife has been totally reconstituted. He's a new creature in Christ. But if you go on your way, you will never experience conviction until you turn the television off, until you, and please don't think I'm being legalistic, I'm not, I'm simply telling you that if you engage in the world's entertainment, you engage in the world's agenda, you engage in the world's desire for wealth, if you desire to be that person who is completely responsible and a workaholic, you will never come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You will block the Holy Spirit in your life and you will not walk with him because you've never allowed him an opportunity to show you the true condition of your heart. You've been running after the things of the world. You have been going on your way. You're choked by life's worries, by riches and pleasures. You have refused the suffering required. When you turn your back and divorce the world, suffering will ensue coming straight from the devil, coming straight from family and friends and others in the workplace. You might even lose your job because you will not be the person they hired to do that job. Who have you turned to and said, please, would you pray with me? Please, I need a deep conviction of God in my heart, and I'm numb. I have no conviction in my heart, and this must change. Would you pray with me that God will bring about a change in my life, that I could cry out to him and be transformed into his likeness, that I could go to heaven? This conviction comes as you begin to turn off everything and you begin to read the scriptures. When you get in the car, don't play the radio, turn it off. Allow yourself some time to reflect on your behavior for that day and the emptiness of your soul. Radio, television, all of these things become very addictive to us. Take a day and fast. Don't eat anything for a day, 24 hours. You'll grow very hungry. Say, Lord, make this hunger in my heart that which brings me into a place with you where I can see my sin. We are blind, naked, miserable, about to be vomited out of the mouth of God. We must begin to cultivate suffering. We must begin to cultivate righteousness. We must begin to cultivate time with Jesus, asking him to transform us into his likeness. If we don't do these things, we will never come under conviction, and we cannot be saved, because we will be worldly, carnal Christians trusting in a false doctrine of eternal security and we will be cast out in the end. The seed fell among thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures and they do not mature. In other words, they're always going to be childlike, childish, 
They're never going to mature, and they're never going to produce a crop of righteousness in their life. They're never going to produce a crop of salvation for others. They're going to live selfish, self-centered lives, desiring pleasure and money and responsibilities. They never grow up. They grow old. And age does not make us any wiser. And then they die as little children. Like the 85-year-old man who asked if I would take him, he and his wife, to the to the Walmart. And so I drove them there and I parked some distance away. I dropped her off and found a parking space. He said, no, no, don't park here. Ray, pull down. Pull down close to the front entrance. So I did, and I then asked, why did you want to park here? He said, because I want to watch all the pretty girls. In his heart, there was still lust. And he was 85 years old. Well, when is lust going to be dealt with in the heart? Not at 85. There comes a place where we're going to miss out on the kingdom of God and be cast out into outer darkness. Then there is there is the seed that lands on good soil. It stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it that is they don't cast it off the devil can't come and steal it because they grab it and then they have to persevere they have to continue the devil will oppose you coming into close encounter with jesus christ he will come and try to block every avenue that you begin to travel down He will tell you how foolish it is to fast. He will bring financial catastrophe onto your life. He will send you into a desert place. He will do everything he can to break you of the desire to be made righteous in Jesus Christ. And this will bring you into great suffering and tribulation. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. So if you do not have the patience, if you do not have that desire, if you do not have conviction in your heart, the day will come when that little bit of religion you're hanging on to will be taken away from you, and you will stand naked before the judgment bar of God, and you will be cast into outer darkness." Now, there are several passages of Scripture that I want to go to quickly before we run out of time today. It is Jesus who makes us holy, but we must be willing to suffer if he is going to make us holy. He will not make us holy if we refuse the cross. Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 18 because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted this brother i've spoken of has been unwilling to suffer under the temptation of alcohol instead he has quickly made peace with what he has been separated from and becomes a drunken sot again in his easy chair If you go with me then, this is the third chapter of Hebrews, verse 12, 
See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be rendered stubborn by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Just as it's been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt and with whom he was angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned whose body fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear they would never enter his rest? if not for those who disobeyed. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief or because they rejected the suffering that was required to become righteous. Now, again, I want to read from the book of Hebrews. I'll begin with Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When you begin to understand that, conviction will begin to flow into your heart. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If we will come to the throne of grace honestly, willing to suffer whatever is necessary, we will receive the help that is required for us to leave our sin. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. If you reject this training that God wants to bring into your life, you will go your own way. You will not mature. And even the little bit you have will be taken from you. Now I want to share with you one more passage of Scripture. It's found in the fifth chapter. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. If you refuse the suffering of becoming righteous, you in the end will have the little you have received taken from you if you refuse to grow up and insist on going your own way, if you refuse to take seriously the call 
to put as your first and most important priority the searching of Scripture and the prayer closet. If you refuse and feel no need to go into the prayer closet and weep before the Lord and cry out with loud cries, you cannot be saved. You cannot be saved because you will never be made righteous. And you must be holy for no one will see the Lord. First Peter, no one will see the Lord without holiness. This is real holiness. Not pretend holiness. This is real holiness that you must walk in. And the only way you can walk in it the only way you can walk in it is by the power of God. He says in First Peter, verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Holy means to be set apart for a special purpose. You are to be set apart from this world and given entirely into the hand of Jesus to follow and walk in obedience to his commands. Verse 27 now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. The world is is filled with darkness, and the United States of America is crashing. It will be destroyed. It will be burned because of its wickedness unless there is a revival. That revival will never come through worldly Christians or worldly pastors. That revival can only come from people who are willing to endure suffering who are willing to be put through the fire, people who are willing to lay down their agenda and follow after Jesus Christ, who are willing to suffer any financial loss necessary in order to follow after Jesus Christ. If you are following your responsibilities, if you're following your desire to gain money, if you are following after the pleasures of this world, you will not be a part of bringing to America a revival of godliness because you are ungodly. You may be very religious, but you are not like Jesus and you are ungodly. I don't speak this to be judgmental. I have to be real with you. Your blood will be on my hands if I'm not that real with you. If you are not willing to be crucified with Christ, you cannot reign with Christ. If you are not willing to put aside the music, the literature, the entertainment, if you're not willing to put aside all of your church culture, your rituals. If you're not willing to put aside your work 
and seek after Jesus Christ and ask him to bring conviction into your heart to reveal the true condition of your spirit before God, you cannot be saved. For me, this is most... It is most disturbing because I see America filled with people called Christian who do not resemble that which I've shared with you today. Instead, they're just good religionists going on their own path with even the little bit of religion they possess about to be taken from them in a time of great testing and trial. I call you today in the name of Jesus to lay aside your life and begin to seek after Jesus. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. We're nearing the end of this month. We have one more week. And we are still $1,265 short of what is required to pay the radio bill for this month. If you'd like to participate to help this broadcast continue being proclaimed over Washington, D.C., would you write to me with your gifts of tithe and offerings? I don't sell things. I don't merchandise. The work of God has always been supported by free will offerings and tithes. If you'd like to participate, please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also invite you to come to the prayer chapel. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church, and it's located here in Woodbridge, Virginia. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Drive around to the back side of the parking lot. You'll see a ground-level double glass doors going into a lower lobby. Come in, and the worship center is on your left-hand side. Lord Jesus, I pray for your people today. I pray that great conviction will begin to come and fasten itself upon their hearts and their minds. That, Lord, they would lay aside their religion and seek after your righteousness. Lord, I plead today that you will put unrest in the heart of every person. That they would seek you, Jesus, and find you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I love you, my brother, my sister. This is very serious. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.